life. You've united us together as an expression of the body of Christ to worship you, not just on a Sunday morning, but as a way of life. And so, Lord, on this celebration Sunday, we are coming before you, asking that you fill us with your spirit and that you would teach us through your word. And so we're asking that your spirit would be the one who guides our understanding and that you would shape us and form us and fashion us to be everything you desire Fellowship Bible Church to be. And so we come expectantly and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. And kids, you'll be staying with us today because this is Celebration Sunday. And I tell you what, I have been looking forward to this Sunday for a long time. I'm one of those guys that, that likes to anticipate. I mean, like, anticipation is at least like half the fun, okay? I'm already starting to think about Christmas. I've been thinking about this day for years. The day that we'd all be coming together and be able to walk through those doors just to celebrate God's goodness and faithfulness to our church. I mean, it is awesome. I don't know if you've had a chance to take a peek with the new children's wing and all the community spaces, the classroom, the new office. Thank you. I mean, it's awesome. It is first class. I mean, we're just excited about what God is doing. And really, though, what we're excited about is God. He is faithful. We're here to celebrate the character of God and who he is. And we have it, even in our shirts, building to build lives. But how does God really do that? How does God really build lives? When Jesus said, I will build my church, what did he intend for that to look like? What are its characteristics? Is there a passage of scripture that really embodies what a church is to be and how it is developed? And there is. In Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 14, we're going to find three verses that God just spelled out through the Apostle Paul how clearly he intends for his church to grow and to develop. And we're going to find as we begin here in chapter 4, verse 14, that spiritual health doesn't happen in isolation, but in the context of community. Let's take a look at it. Chapter 4, Ephesians, verse 14. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love. We are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. So, you see, God builds lives by having his people, first of all, like you see in verse 14 and the beginning of verse 15, by having us grow deep in his word. See what he says, verse 14? We're no longer to be children and just whip here and there. You see, the beauty of Christianity is that God brings people into his family. All of us are transplants. All of us are adopted. We once were out there, living life on our own. Some of us were hedonists. Man, wherever we thought pleasure and happiness was, we're going to go for it and go for it with a gusto. And some of us got the scars to show for it. Some of us tried to be religious, and some just tried to follow some sort of moral code. Some folks thought that if I do certain things, or a church tells me that I'm fine, or I even take away, do something that makes the church happy, that I'm going to be fine with God. 
But do we realize that actually all of us are cut from the same bolt of cloth? We are sinners by nature. And it means, the word sin means to miss the mark. And God intended for every single person to know him and to enjoy him. And any time we try to live life apart from God, that's sin. Not just the grievous, heinous things that we think of, but even the ways of going through life never considering God. That's all missing the mark. And so that's why God sent his son. If you want to know what makes Christianity unique, is that all world religions are trying to somehow earn God's favor. But God knows that could never happen. You can never satisfy the sin issue and make payment for sin. So that's why God sent his son down this earth to live a perfect life, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for sin, God's just wrath against sin, and to rise again three days later to guarantee to the world that any who believes in Jesus will have genuine spiritual life. And it doesn't matter where you come from or your background, when you come to the place where you're truly trusting in Christ, his person, who he is, and his word, at that moment, you become a new creation. You are a believer. You have been brought into the body of Christ. You have been adopted into his family. That's why the Bible refers to God's people as his children. We have a heavenly father. We are inextricably united with Christ. We are a part of his family. And as part of his family, as children, God desires for his children to mature. Just like every parent, we want our kids to grow up and mature. Yeah, you're cute at age three, but we want you to continue to grow and mature. To be able to feed yourself, to be able to handle yourself well, like an adult. And God intends the same for his people. That's why he has given us his word. The word not only clearly spells out the gospel, God's word actually teaches us how to grow. And like he says in verse 14, he doesn't want us whipped around by any sort of religious novelty that happens to come and be in vogue. He, Christian, Christianity is we are rooted in Christ and following his word. God doesn't want people to make up their spiritual lives as they go. He doesn't want you to be deceived. He, so he says in verse 14, I don't want you being whipped around like a piece of driftwood out in the ocean. Where the winds and waves just carry you wherever, I want you firmly grounded in my word. You will find that your depth of understanding and experience with God and stability and maturity in life is directly related to the intake of your word. That's why uh, God had the Apostle Peter write in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 and 3, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation. If you tasted the kind of the Lord. How do children grow? They grow by eating. Uh, this is something I've really tried to break this bad habit. Um, but um, my wife told me early on in our marriage that this doesn't help. And it's something that I was trained to do. I even remember my grandparents specifically doing this. And that is that while you're eating one meal, you bring up, hey, this is a great lunch. What are we having for dinner? Oh, she's like, why do you do that? I said, well, I, my parents did that. My dad, especially, and my grandparents. I remember them. They would talk about what they're going to eat at their next meal. And I've tried really hard to now stop stop doing that all together. I think about it. it is, I'm processing it. But I have learned, like, don't speak everything that comes through your head, especially when it comes to food, okay? But why is that? Because there is just something about food and being together and growing and just how good it tastes. And there's the anticipation. Remember the anticipation thing? Well, I want you to know, God
God wants you thinking about the next meal all the time. God's word is good. He has given, to, given his word for our growth. And that's how God matures his people. We're to be discerning, uh, utilizing God's word to discern between error and truth, what's false and what's right. But God also wants us to be growing and maturing. And notice what he said in verse 15. We are to speak the truth in love. That's it. That's what a church does. They are communicating God's word in ways that people can understand, and they're doing so from a loving heart. Speaking the truth in love. In love with God and in love with the people. They're doing it because we love God. We want we love his people and we want to see people grow. That's what a church does. And the two have to be together. Truth and love. It's kind of like uh, sodium and chlorine. Now, sodium is like this really active element that's found in, in nature and it's, it's always naturally combined with something else. Sodium, uh, chlorine, on the other hand, is this poisonous gas. And so, like, you know, like it gives this offensive odor and it smells bad. But sodium, when joined to chlorine, you know what it produces? Sodium chloride, or what we might refer to as just common table salt. It comes together, and that's what God intends for his word. His word, truth, is to be joined with love, and you know what it produces? It produces salt. It preserves the beauty, and it gives flavor to our faith. And so that's what he says. I want you to be speaking the truth in love. And so at fellowship... We want to encourage you to be growing deep in God's Word in your personal time, whether it be in your small group, your life group, uh, on Sunday mornings, when we come together and we're studying God's Word, we're doing so with the intent that we would grow deep because, friends, that's what the church is supposed to do. We're growing deep. Not only that, though, I want to, I want to point out something else. God builds His lives not only by having His people grow deep in His Word, but he also has it growing mature in their faith. You see that in verse 15? He says, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even or specifically Christ. And so how it is, is that Christ is the head. And the people that believe in Jesus are considered his body. And we are united together because of our relationship with Christ. We're very diverse. We come from all sorts of different backgrounds, all sorts of different ages, different economics, different life experiences. But we are united inextricably with the head who is Christ. And we are a part of his body. And what this text tells us is that we are to grow up in all aspects. Do you see that? Into him who is the head. Jesus doesn't want to be compartmentalized. Like, well, I've got my spiritual life, and so I will consider Christ or the Bible in just my spiritual life, but then I've got a separate academic life, a separate work life, a separate family life, and most certainly a separate entertainment life. And I'm going to do whatever I want on those, in those areas. Actually, what God is seeking to develop is maturity in your faith, where there is a Christ-centeredness in everything you do, that there is a seamless integrity in how you live your life. That you have this relationship with Jesus and you actually are considering, like, Lord, how can I honor you going through this activity or in this relationship? How can I enjoy you as I go about 
this particular experience. So you ask questions like, God, what would maturity in Christ look like in this situation or this relationship? And would you give me the grace, desire, and strength to do this? I mean, I challenge you, this week, go with a Christ-centered week. As you're you're going through your days, keep in mind that you're going in relationship with Jesus. And it changes everything about your day. You start developing and maturing in your character. You start interfacing your relationships differently. Because now there's the element where I'm, I'm walking with Jesus in this. With your family, your friends, even if you've got an enemy, you treat them differently. Why? Because of your relationship with Christ. As you go through your work, you actually start seeing your work not as a job, but as a ministry. I honor God by how I do my work with excellence for Him and His glory. Yes, you get a paycheck. Yes, you are reporting to managers, your supervisor, your dean. Yeah, I get that. But you do your work in such a way that it honors God, and you do it with integrity and to the best of your ability. You're prayerfully asking God for wisdom, because after all, we're all about the glory of God. And so that's what God is seeking to do. He is seeking to develop a Christ-centered development in all aspects of our lives. And notice this also in verse 16. He also is developing a Christ-centered devotion to the well-being of his people. Look at verse 16. He says, From whom... The whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body or the building up of itself in love. You see, God wants us working together. We are unified. There is a unity to our body. There's diversity. We're all very different. And there's an interdependency. We need each other. Just like your body. I mean, consider. You got, you got hands and fingers. You got toes, ears, eyes, nose. You got ligaments. You got muscles. You got nerves. You got blood vessels. You have all sorts of cells. You have structure. You have, you have bones. But all of this all works together in tandem, receiving the signals from the head. And that's what, that's what a physical body doing well looks like. And that's what God intends for his body. There are local churches. They are local manifestations of the body of Christ. And if we're to be everything a church intends us to be, we have to have a commitment to the well-being of each other. We weep with those who weep. We rejoice with those who rejoice. We care. We're involved. We're engaged. We're going to invest in you because we're going to help you grow and develop because we're all about the honor of God. And we're getting our signals from Christ, and Christ speaks to us through his word. And so... It's kind of like in the Olympics. I mean, one of the way, one of the things that I find so fascinating about the Olympics is to see the potential of the human body. Like everything I see, like there is no way I could do that. But it is pretty fascinating to see, like, like a gymnast doing more somersaults than I could do on the ground in the air, right? Or how fast they can swim or run, or the accuracy that they have. And I'm always like, wow, you see human potential expressed. Like how well something can be done. In a physical human body. Well, God intends for our church to be like that. Finally in tune with Jesus Christ. Really growing deep in his word. Exercising discernment. Finding ourselves maturing a Christ-centered aspect, a Christ-centeredness in all aspects of life. And that we're actually engaged with each other. We're growing and maturing. We want to see the image of Jesus being expressed in every single person. 
You see, that's what God does. He actually, God who created every person in his image, meaning we share to a limited degree his characteristics. He intends that as we believe in Christ, the characteristics of God, specifically of Jesus, are manifested in our life, both individually and corporately. You see, us as a church, doing well together, caring about each other, about each other, investing in each other, we give a visible expression to our community of what the body of Christ is, that God through the working of Jesus, can take people of such diverse backgrounds and actually weave them together in Christ, together working, caring for the people, not only in our church, but in our community. Even sending missionaries out to the world, it gives a visible expression of the image of God. And really, if this is to work in our church, you cannot think too highly of yourself. You know, if you think too highly of yourself, uh, what happens is you will not see the need for other people. In fact, you're like, I don't really need them. In fact, I'm not, I don't want to be bothered by their problems. I'm fine on my own. On the other hand, if you think too lowly of yourself, like, oh, woe is me. I, I'm not worthy of any love. You know, I'm just the scum of the earth. And, and I'm just going to avoid people because I think so low of myself. What happens is you, you never put yourself in a position to truly grow and to experience love. Friends, what you want to do is you want to think accurately about yourself. You see, when you you think accurately about yourself, yeah, you're a sinner saved by the grace of Jesus, that you have opportunity and potential, that you bring something to the table, that you're a needed part of the body, just like your left arm or your right eye. Then what we do, we're in a position then where we can give and receive love just as God designed. And that's what he intends for a church. The whole body being fitted and held together, working together. Really, a local church is much more like a high school football team than it is like a college football team or a pro team. Like in college, coaches run around the country or even, even the world looking for the very best talent and try to recruit them in any way they can to come and be on their team. A high school football coach on the other hand, you work with the players you have in your district. You, you can't go and recruit them like, well, I really like these people over here. No, you work with the ones that you have in your district. Every once in a while, uh, some gifted player is going to show up in your district because of a move. But a high school football coach knows that I need to develop the players that I have that are in my school. That's not what a church does. We develop the people we have in the church. And that's what we're trying always to do. We want to see people come to the fullness of maturity of Christ in every aspect of their life. To develop leaders. To develop you your full potential with your family, in your relationships, at school, in your jobs. To experience the maturity of Christ because after all, that's what a church does. And friends, we need each other. We all can't play the same position. We all have various roles. But it's important that every one of us has a role. Because indeed we do. And we need each other. And so we work together. We serve together. We appreciate. We esteem. We care about each other because we are committed to the glory of God. Because after all, Jesus Christ is our head. When I was in high school, uh, I'm the oldest of four boys. Uh, we had, uh, it, was, it was a day that always sticks in our memory. In fact, it still comes up in family conversations. It was the day when mom went on strike. It was like, 
unbelievable. Now, uh, if, okay, we were all guys, and we had mom, mom sometimes had function like the referee. There were times that mom got moved, you know, in all these wrestling matches or having it. And I'm a small one in the bunch, okay? And so there was mom, and one day, mom, she had talked this over with dad, went on strike. And so we came home, and mom just sitting there in a chair looking at magazines. And that, you know, a house was a disaster. And like, the, there was no food prepared. That was a crisis. None of mom's homemade treats. And the house that we left a mess, guess what? It was just like we left it. Things hanging everywhere. And I mean, like, like clothes, you know, like you value clean clothes, guess what? They were just piled up where we left them. I needed shirts that were pressed for work, guess what? Didn't happen. I had to wear a shirt that I'd worn the previous day to work. It all crinkled up. And mom was just on strike. And she was just watching and, and not phased by any of it. I want you to know what happened in our family. Two things. We had chaos and clarity all coming together. You see, there was chaos because all of a sudden there was a breakdown, but there was clarity. And there was a real good life lesson that we learned. We all have a role to fulfill if our family is going to run well. I noticed that some of you women were writing notes like, this was a really good point in the sermon here. And I, and I want you kids to know, I kept you in here, and this is fair warning, okay? You might want to show up with your A game, okay? It is terrible if mom goes on strike, okay? She eventually we were able to coach her with begging and tears and great promises and even some performance to have her come back, okay? But friends, I want you to know that we're the family of God. We're a local family. There are churches all throughout our community. But we're a family. United in Christ. We all have a role. We need each other. We're connected to one another. And the secret, do you see that? Did you notice in verse 15, we're supposed to speak the truth in love? And we are to, verse 16 at the very end, building ourselves up in love. Friends, that's the secret. You want to have some heart and interest in your daily personal time with God and His Word? Come to the scriptures with a heart to love the truth. You want to experience what God intends for a church to be? Ask God to give you a love for one another. Love is a choice. Love makes commitment. Love oftentimes even calls for sacrifice. But you see, God's goal for the church is for spiritual maturity to become a reality. Not just something vague and ethereal out there, but that it actually becomes a reality. You see, we're not just people coming to church, friends, we are the church. Committed to Christ, committed to one another. And God's goal for the church is for spiritual maturity to become a reality. With every believer being involved and growing and serving and giving and loving each other. And friends, you need to remember that growing in Christ means that we are growing together. I'm concerned and committed to your development, just like you are to mine. We're growing together because to believe is to belong. And that is the vision of Fellowship Bible Church. That we are growing deep, sinking deep roots like a tree and knowing God and his word. And that residual effect of a tree sinking deep roots is that it's starting to branch out and reach out. And we're doing that in our relationships, at home, in our school, on our jobs. And we are reaching out and growing and maturing and bear fruit, fruit that remains and fruit that reproduces all for the glory of God. And so every believer is being involved. And this is what God is doing in our midst. And that's why we're celebrating God this morning. 
We are celebrating what God is doing in and through our church. Yes, we're thrilled about the building, but we're thrilled about having facilities that facilitate this mission and this vision of people growing deep and reaching out in Christ. And friends, we've got a great heritage. Did you know that? Some people think like, wow, this is just a new church that just kind of sprung up in the cornfield out there. Actually, we've got a pretty amazing heritage. And what I'd like to do, uh, I, we did this in the first service, I'm going to actually give some different eras of Fellowship Bible Church. And we'll show you a few, few pictures of what that looked like in those different eras. But if you started becoming involved with Fellowship Bible Church during that particular era, we're going to ask you to stand, just so we can kind of see. This was At first service, this was really cool. So let's start, first of all, since groundbreaking 2015. So remember last July? Remember we were all out there, it was like 100 degrees, and we were all baking, and we threw some dirt in the air, it was an awesome celebration, remember that? Since groundbreaking July 2015 to this Sunday, this might be your first Sunday, if you've come and started becoming part of fellowship uh, um, in that era, could we have you stand? Just we'd like to see who you are. Who's come? All right, yeah, awesome. We are so glad to have you guys here. Awesome. All right, you can have a seat. Now, the, let's see who came in the phase one era. So this is when the time we did the ribbon cutting on the doors in June of 2003, okay, to the groundbreaking that we had in July of 2015. So if you've been here, you started coming and being involved since, since June 2003 to the groundbreaking of July 2015, why don't you stand? We'd like to see who you are. Whoa, awesome. <laughs> this is so good. All right, okay, now, if you came during the movie theater days, okay, we were in Hollywood movie theater, number 13, when we had the popcorn going, people waiting to go to the movies, we're getting out of church, remember that, all right? If you came from 1999 to June 2003, during the movie theater days, we want you to stand up, we want to see who you are, all right? Yeah, these are our movie theater people, okay, awesome. All right. Well, prior to the movie theater, there we have the downtown location. Uh, this is from 1987 to 1999. This also includes when West Evangelical Free Church joined Fellowship Bible Church in 1988. So if you came from 1987 to 1999, where you actually became part of Fellowship Bible Church, we'd like to honor you by having you stand. All right. Here we go, Mike. Look, look at this. Awesome. All right, and now for the wandering years. Beginning in 1978 in the living room of David and Pam Sibley to 1987. If you came when you were either meeting in like the Seventh-day Adventist church or in like a funeral home, okay? We got a glorious history, I'll tell you that. And everything like you could imagine going wrong of having a church in a funeral home, actually occurred. I won't get into all the details, but there was a scary moment. All right? Okay, could have scared you to death. All right. Okay, so if you came during the wandering years, could I have you stand? Do we have in the first? Okay, you're standing for Carol. In the first service, we had a whole contingent of folks right here. Well, I'll tell you what, friends, we've got an amazing heritage. And I want you to, for those of you who stood, I want you to know that your faithfulness is bearing much fruit. Your commitment, your vision, your focus upon Jesus. God is at work in our midst. And we've put together a video 
just to give you a glimpse of what God is doing. That's right. church, it's helped me to mature spiritually. Um, I was a Christian before coming to Fellowship Bible Church, but because of my um, involvement with this church, I've become someone that actually is a more of a regular church goer. I attend the, uh, um, the the small groups, and it's helped me to stay focused on the, on the Lord. I read my Bible more, my prayer life is more vibrant, and I'm actually seeing the hand of God in my life in several different ways. Um, I think in this church I feel very blessed because I, I think that before coming here I was a spiritual baby, but I can see that I'm taking steps in the right direction. So in, in a very real way, this church has been very, very instrumental in my growth as a Christian. Fellowship definitely has been very impactful in my spiritual life, and primarily that has been um, through the youth group. Um, the youth group has um, many different youth leaders who are very willing to um, spend a lot of time with you and really truly like, invest in you. And when they do that, they have a desire to see you improve. Um, and I think because of that, um, it's made me who I am today. And I really appreciate that. Well, it's been amazing. Ever since we started coming to fellowship, um, we have seen the fingerprints of God in all aspects of our lives. And I have seen our lives um, improve and be blessed and prosper and uh, flourish every way that we turn. I just like being with like all my friends Talks and, and fellowship. It's just technically my second home. One of my favorite things is just seeing the children's ministry and the children. And you know, I just envision them, you know, becoming even at their age, you know, just strong in the Lord and you know, just doing what they can to glorify Him. If I had one thing to say about the church, besides the church of love, it's just loving Christ, loving each other, and our church is such an humble, encouraging congregation, and I'm just blessed. We were praying for to find a church where biblical truth is taught, where spiritual maturity and growth is emphasized and service is the ultimate uh, profession of faith if you will that helping others is what we're called to do it's um, great to come over every sunday it's refreshing it's recharging and that's the energy that we need essentially feel like recharged and then we can go to our
that we would spur one another on towards good works in Christ Jesus in order that we can go out, as Lisa said, into this, this community, into the world. And we can make an impact. So, uh, I'm slowly learning things that I, that I need to pass along to other people, and hopefully God will give me the wisdom to do that. This is going to be a big part of my finish strong, finishing strong, is what I'm going to do through this church here at Fellowship Fountain. It didn't really become my church um, until I went to the men's retreat. And that's when I met um, some great guys who uh, I still, we still meet regularly. Uh, and that's when, I think that's when my spiritual life sort of moved into sort of like a next level for me when I had um, guys that I, I felt could identify with who I was and who I wanted to be um, and just really began to invest in me. And of course, I love the new building. I love the new facility. I think uh, it, I think it really prepares us well to respond to however God is going to be moving. Um, and I think the new facility really makes a statement that we're we're expecting God to do big things. I'd like to see uh, an expansion growth of new believers, uh, people who have, for the first time, put their faith and trust in God. What an exciting time it would be to see. This people who are wandering in the dark lost to be able to, to know the, the grace and the love of our Lord, you know. So such a, a great feeling in your heart to see someone and know that, that for eternity they will have uh, salvation. Well, friends, that, that is just a glimpse of what God is doing. And as we're building to build life on our t-shirt, We've been talking about it for years. We are doing this with an eye to honor God. We've been talking about this next step. It's certainly a next step, and I want you to enjoy the tours and using this building for God's glory. But we're also taking our next step. We, um, with our partnership with GGDMI, there's an unreached people group called the Bujara Indians in India. And we've sent people, teams, instructors, and doctors, uh, some Baylor professor to do some understanding of economics. Uh, I've seen this firsthand. They have that school there, and many of us support the children, and our church has been very instrumental in helping them develop, build the school. Uh, their teacher housing is completely inadequate, and it has serious limitations. So remember this summer we did the uh, Watermelon for Jesus? That's what Brian Davis labeled it. Okay. And we, we brought a lot of money, but uh, what we want to do this Sunday, and we'll be presenting this check, is we're going to give them $10,000 just to get this, their teachers a housing where it should be, and we're doing that to God's glory. And then also, just as we celebrate that God has given us this new facility, uh, there's some people that have especially been very helpful in this process. And so I would like to invite up our building team. So if you're with RBR, our architect firm, or K4, okay, or our fellowship team, could you guys come up here? Because we just want to honor you for just a minute here. So, all right, come on, don't be shy. All right. Come on up here. These guys, and I, yeah, I'm going to be up here so you can like, lock the instrument and do not electrocute yourself here. I want to introduce, this is Richard Morgan. He represents RBDR. He's done tons of architectural work here. This is Keith Helper. He is the owner of K4, and his construction company is the one that actually did all of the building. 
And then here is Bob Marlin and Joseph Varga and myself. I was the weak link on this, this fellowship team here. Joseph Varga being our owner's rep and the operations manager here at Fellowship. Uh, together, we work as a team. We believe in relationship, covenant relationship, working together. And we've really had the opportunity of experiencing that and doing that together. And I brought these men up on stage because I want you to know that they have invested themselves deeply to see this project through. And I want to just personally thank them. And for some of you two guys that are here, I noticed you didn't have fellowship t-shirts. So, so you don't feel left out. I haven't got one, maybe even in your color. But we want to thank you so much, Keith. All right. Richard, thank you so much. Here, which color do you guys want here? No fighting. You want the blue one? Okay. You want the gray one? Oh, don't be like me. Okay. No, you don't? You do? You don't? Oh, you do. Okay. All right. Just a little confusion up here. But friends, we are so grateful for all that you have done. So what we'd like to do is we want to close our time together in prayer. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our midst. For this vision of seeing people grow deep and reaching out in Christ, it's, it's actually taking place. We want to thank you for this amazing new facility that you've given us. And for Keith Helper and Cape Moore Construction. And for RBR and Richard Morgan and all the others that went into the design of this building. God, we thank you. And we ask that you help these men and the women that are part of their teams and their uh, companies to understand that they have been used by you to accomplish great things, not only for our church, but this community. And thank you for Bob and Joseph and just the countless hours that have gone into working together hour by hour and day by day to see this building actually come into fruition. And God, we thank you that we can celebrate and dedicate. And so we do. We, this morning, are dedicating ourselves to your work and to your will, to do so together. And we are dedicating this building to your glory. And we thank you and pray in Jesus' name.